Welcome to Sermons from San Diego, a podcast of preaching from Mission Hills United Church of Christ. I'm the Reverend Dr. David Barr, but please just call me David. I invite you to listen and come along as we try to follow the teachings of Jesus and the wisdom of Scripture to build a world that is open, inclusive, just, and compassionate. And now for this week's sermon, a continuation of our series. Last week, Moses was living a quiet life as a husband, father, and shepherd. He spent his days safeguarding sheep and watching big puffy clouds float across the blue sky, perhaps daydreaming about the life of wealth and privilege he had lived as a youth. Not wishing for it back, but remembering how his death as an infant had been decreed. He was a child of one of those dangerous outsiders, but was miraculously rescued by the daughter of Pharaoh, the one who had decreed his death, and raised in the house of one of the richest and most powerful men in the world. One day he saw an Egyptian beating a slave, and righteous anger rose up inside him. He identified with the pain, the suffering of the Hebrew people and in response killed that Egyptian, which led to a cascade of escapes and events that found him years later living a quiet life as a husband and father and shepherd. And one day, while minding his own business, thank you very much, he saw a bush burning, but not being burned up. You heard the rest of this story last week. You know that with great reluctance, Moses accepted responsibility to go back to Egypt and demand that the new Pharaoh let his people go, as long as his brother Aaron could help him. So on their first day of work, and by the way, Moses had just turned 80 years old, and Aaron was 83. On the first day of their new job, they ate breakfast, they polished the leather on their sandals, and without appointments showed up at the palace of the pharaoh. Like two tiny field mice, they they pulled together the gumption and the moxie to proclaim, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go, so they can hold a festival for me in the desert. They were smart. They, They didn't ask for the whole big, let my people go forever. Just give my people a three day weekend. But high on the throne, the deep voice of Pharaoh let out a long, sinister laugh and ordered the slave masters to make things worse, much worse. Order them to make the same number of bricks, but give them no straw to make them. On their downtime, they were to scour the land, gathering uh, straw, and when they inevitably began to fall behind, the slave masters drove them harder. Lazy bums, Pharaoh called them. Work harder, harder! The people were furious. They raged against him. Not him, as in Pharaoh, but Moses. Why did you come here? To make our lives even worse? You've given him a reason to kill us because we can't possibly keep up. And in turn, Moses was angry with God. Why did you send me here? I've only made things worse. And you, you, you have done absolutely nothing to rescue your people. God replied, watch me. Now go back to Pharaoh and demand that he let my people go. Use the party tricks I taught you. That'll impress him. 
So they went back in front of Pharaoh, <clears throat> and Aaron threw his shepherd's rod on the ground. And it turned into a snake. Amazing! But Pharaoh called over his wise men and wizard, and they did the same thing. Wah, wah. Then Aaron's snake gobbled up the other one. But Pharaoh still wasn't impressed. It was the first day on the job, and they failed. The next day, God told Moses and Aaron <clears throat> to find Pharaoh and tell him that if he doesn't let the people go for a three-day festival in the desert, you will turn the Nile River into blood, and the fish will die, and the Nile will stink. <clears throat> Excuse me. Aaron held his shepherd's rod over the water, and it turned to blood. It was amazing. But then the Egyptian leaders did the same thing. Wah, wah. And a second time they failed to impress Pharaoh. Next, God said, Okay, tell Pharaoh that if he doesn't let my people go for a three-day weekend, frogs will cover the nation. In your palace, on your beds, and even in your ovens and bread pans. There will be frogs everywhere crawling up on you and on, on everyone else in Egypt. But Pharaoh didn't seem to care. So Aaron raised his rod, and voila, thousands of frogs emerged from the Nile and went everywhere and got into everything. And Pharaoh relented. If you pray to the Lord to get rid of these frogs, I'll let the people go for their festival. Ah, third time the charm, victory. And Moses got rid of the frogs, but not by them hopping away. They died right where they were, in the houses and yards and fields. And they were scooped up into big piles and began to stink. But at least they were dead. But now that the crisis was averted, Pharaoh changed his mind. Hmm. Next, as God instructed him, Aaron hit the ground with his rod, and all of a sudden, Egyptians began feverishly scratching themselves while their animals rubbed up against trees trying to relieve an itch. They were covered in lice. But this time, Pharaoh's religious experts couldn't replicate the, the lice and told Pharaoh, this God has amazing power. And yet Pharaoh still wasn't impressed. The next morning, Moses and Aaron repeated, let the people go for three days so they can worship God. And this time, if you refuse, <clears throat> swarms of insects will descend on you. Clearly, Pharaoh didn't like bugs, because when he refused, and all of a sudden, bugs started swarming everywhere, Pharaoh waved his arms wildly and cried out, Just go already! But you have to have your festival here, not out in the desert. And Moses responded, It was the desert or nothing. And while still swatting bugs, Pharaoh said, Okay, just get rid of them, and you can go. The insects swarmed away, but as soon as they were gone, Pharaoh changed his mind. Moses was angry and very frustrated. All these signs and wonders, and yet still no sign of progress. So they repeated to Pharaoh, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go so that they can worship me. And if you refuse, tomorrow I will send a deadly disease on all Egyptian livestock. But it won't affect the Israelites. Pharaoh laughed, except he wasn't laughing the next day when animals owned by Egyptians were dead and all the Israelite animals were alive. And yet Pharaoh still wouldn't budge. How long would this go on? 
How much more suffering was Pharaoh willing to force upon his people just to keep his slaves from a weekend at Burning Man? Well, let's see. God instructed Moses to throw some ash from a furnace in the air in front of Pharaoh, and the ashes turned to soot and covered everything and caused blisters and boils to break out on every one. And the religious experts were so sore from the boils that they couldn't even stand up to try to replicate the same thing. And you know, I actually thought they had given up a while back, but they were still trying. And yet, the Lord made Pharaoh stubborn, and he still wouldn't listen. Um, but wait, we're six plagues in. They were wearing Pharaoh down, getting him closer to finally relenting, but God made Pharaoh stubborn? This is one of the great mysteries of these stories. But first, let's see what else happens. Moses and Aaron again relayed the message, Give my people three days off, and if not, the greatest hailstorm anyone has ever seen will devastate the land. Some of Pharaoh's officials heard this and quietly stepped back and raced home to protect their families. Of course, Pharaoh refused. Moses raised his hand, and lightning began flashing, and hail started beating down on everyone and everything so hard that trees were shattering. Back at the homes of the Israelites, just a nice gentle rain. Pharaoh looked out at his nation being devastated and declared, I'm wrong. You and your God are right. Go! I don't, you don't need to stay any longer. And both Pharaoh and Moses breathed long, deep sighs of relief. And then Pharaoh said, Psych! No soup for you! Next, Moses warned, Locusts will descend and devour every last piece of vegetation left after the hail. And Pharaoh's officials began to break ranks. How long are you going to trap us in a corner like this? <clears throat> Egypt is being destroyed. Pharaoh listened and realized Moses and Aaron had beaten him. Okay, go. You won. Finally. But before rolling out the barrels, he asked, By the way, who is going to this festival? Everyone, young and old, and all of our animals. And Pharaoh suspected a ruse, and he added a condition to their release. Your people can go, but you need to leave your animals behind. But Moses countered they needed to take all of the animals so that they were available for sacrifice, and they wouldn't know which ones they needed until they got there. Pharaoh accused them of having an evil scheme, and so he said, you can't take your women and children too. And they argued back and forth and back and forth and back and forth until Pharaoh got tired of it and called security and had them removed. <clears throat> In the morning, as Pharaoh was eating his avocado toast, a locust jumped onto it and he swatted it away. A little later, just as he went to take a sip of coffee, one landed in his cup and he spit it out and coffee spilled onto his robes and as he wiped the liquid away, he saw shadows and looked up to witness the sky turning black. Locusts started landing on everything and began eating, the sound absolutely deafening, until nothing green was left anywhere except where the Israelites lived. Pharaoh urgently called for Moses and Aaron. He cried out, I've sinned against the Lord and your God, your God and against you. Please forgive my sin. Pray to your God to take this deadly disaster away from me. 
Moses left and prayed, and God turned the wind, and no more locusts. Finally, finally victory. But not, not yet really, of course, right? <clears throat> the Lord made Pharaoh stubborn. God, oh God, what are you doing? Just then, darkness like nighttime approached and covered Egypt for three days, except where the Israelites lived. And Pharaoh told Moses, get out of here. I, I never want to see your face again, because the next time you see mine, you will die. And Moses replied, you got it. I never want to see your face again either. And then a tenth disaster. God said, tell Pharaoh that at midnight, the firstborn human and animal in every Egyptian household, including Pharaoh's, will die. <clears throat> there will be a terrible agony heard throughout the land, like like never heard before. But as for the Israelites, not even a dog will growl. Israelites were told to prepare a lamb for supper and use its blood to put on the doorposts and over the door. And in every Israelite home so marked, God would pass over. And at the stroke of midnight, from the oldest child of Pharaoh to the oldest child of the prisoners in jail, all were dead. A terrible agony rang out across Egypt. Moses called, Mo Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron that night and granted their request and with sorrow added, please bring a blessing on me. No time for a party, however, because the people were urged to hurry and leave as fast as they could before Pharaoh changed his mind again. And they left so fast that yeast had not yet caused their bread dough to rise. On their way out, they asked all the Egyptians to give them their gold and silver, and they were also traumatized by the death and disasters. They handed everything over. And as they hurried away, God didn't lead them out of Egypt by the shortest route. That would have taken them through the land of the Philistines. And God was afraid they would run back to Egypt if the Philistines tried to attack them. Now, I'm not sure why God couldn't have stopped that from happening, but instead, God led them a roundabout way through the Reed Sea Desert. The Lord went in front of them during the day in a column of cloud to guide them, and at night in a column of lightning to give them light. And they went as far as the edge of the sea and set up camp. And then... Pharaoh changed his mind. Of course he did. What have we done letting Israel go free of their slavery to us? And he summoned 600 elite chariots and all the other of Egypt's chariots and with the whole cavalry and army chased them to the camp on the sea of the Israelites. They could see the dust rising and hear the Egyptians yelling and feel the rumble of chariots and horses beneath their feet. And they turned at Moses and were furious and screamed, Weren't there enough graves in Egypt that you took us away to die in the desert? What have you done to us? You should have left us alone. But Moses replied, Don't be afraid. Stand your ground and watch the Lord rescue you today. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord pushed the sea back. The waters were split in two, and the Israelites walked through to the other side. As the Egyptians pursued, their chariot wheels gummed up in the mud, and in the morning the waters returned and covered up every last Egyptian. The Lord rescued Israel that day. 
Miriam picked up a tambourine and began singing and invited others to dance. Sing to the Lord for an overwhelming, overflowing victory. Horse and rider God has thrown into the sea. You know, Miriam was the sister of Moses and Aaron, the one who had asked Pharaoh's daughter if she would like Miriam to find a woman to nurse Pharaoh. She led the singing and dancing all day and all night long. Pharaoh's chariots and army God has hurled into the sea. Your strong arm, Lord, shatters the enemy. <sighs> what a story, right? Now, I do want to say about the whole God made Pharaoh stubborn that I don't quite get any of the explanations. I need some more time with that. And it's, it's okay not to get it. Oh, but all the killing. I mean, my God, it's one. Yeah, my God. It's one bloodbath after another. And the horses in the end, did they have to drown in the sea too? Why? That wasn't necessary. And I don't get it. I'm not happy. But it's okay not to understand. Because to offer an easy answer doesn't require us to wrestle with such questions as taking sides in war, such as Confederates falling to the ground while Union soldiers, black Union soldiers, prevail over them. What about that? And what about mass suffering intentionally prolonged by leaders like Pharaoh for their ego or for their enjoyment of cruelty? Here is what I know. These stories were told by people trying to understand their history. Not facts about their history, but their relationship with God. Complex. And if each of us were to try to tell the story of our relationship with God, people might find some of our conclusions confusing too. I mean, if I were to say, God did this or God did that for me, you might look at me with a side eye and say, really? Throughout our lives, God changes. And who God is today might even contradict what we had believed previously with such certainty. Because God changes with us. But what doesn't change is that throughout history, God absolutely loves God's people. And who can fully explain love? And be assured, the story isn't over. Stay tuned, for there is more to come for the Israelites. And hear this once again. You too are God's beloved. And there's more to come for you as well.